How many of us are in seasons of grayness? Maybe we are in that season right now. Maybe you came here without really knowing why you're here and yet you're struggling and you're in this season. I'm here to encourage you and let you know that it's okay to be in that season. Those seasons are sometimes cut out for us so that we can grow stronger, so that we know and we are refined, so that we know who God is in our lives and how he works in us and through us. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're gonna be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are gonna encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. everyone. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you everyone who presented earlier for the life groups. I am so excited to start and that is one of my absolute passions here is life groups. It's actually how I started coming to Praxis was because of life groups. It was through an invitation that one of my friends gave me and he said, hey, will you join my life group? And I was like, I wasn't actually going to, but now I'm embarrassed, so I have to. And so I ended up joining his life group and through that, I ended up meeting one of the other life group um, directors there who was Sarah Uribe at the time. And we ended up doing life groups together, which is how we really continue to create that ministry and to grow it. So it's one of my biggest passions here at Praxis. And so I hope that you guys genuinely will sign up for a life group. You can go on our Instagram, Praxis Ministry. You can go on our website, um, or you can go on our link tree as well. We'd love to have you. It is absolutely amazing. But uh, you guys look great tonight. Happy Friday. You guys all survived the rain okay? I'm surprised that so many of you guys came and you're shaking. You're like, no, I didn't. I know. I, I, I was hoping that everyone would just cancel everything and just shut down because in California, like we, we don't really do well in the, in the rain. So tonight is our last sermon series on um, the series of community and us where Phil and I have been teaching and preaching. So I will be preaching tonight and Phil is teaching tomorrow morning for Sabbath school over the book of Acts, and we're drawing wisdom from the first church and bringing it into life here at Praxis. I'm a little sad that it's our last one because it has been absolutely like so much fun to do this with Phil, but I hope that we are reminded and continually reminded throughout this year of our community and how we've talked about redefining community, how you are community. And tonight we'll be talking about how you are the change of our community. And as I speak tonight, I hope that you notice Paul's works in his community, how he was to change in every space that he walked into. We're going to jump straight into it because there's a lot to cover. And so if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Acts chapter 23. We're going through the next five chapters, so all the way to Acts 28. And just to give you context, Paul is setting sail for Rome. Oh, Rome, the big, beautiful, ancient city of Rome. And spoilers, he ends up shipwrecked on an unmarked island called Malta. 
And so just to give you some context, in the previous chapters, Paul started out on trial in chapter 23 in Jerusalem. And then he goes through this series of government officials to stand on trial to false accusations that he was spreading blasphemy that about God, whereas in reality, he was truly spreading the gospel of Jesus and his own conversion to Christianity, and how now he was spreading that good news to the Gentiles. And the leaders of the Jewish law did not like that, and so he was being sent to the city of Rome to stand on trial. And Rome is a, a huge deal. It's a place to be known to be the largest and most splendid of ancient cities. If you can think of just like the most amazing city that you know, which is Loma Linda, uh, obviously California, but um, it was the capital and the symbol of Roman Empire and essentially presided over the whole known world. And we know that Paul is going to Rome because in Acts 23, verse 11, it says, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Paul knows what he's doing in Jerusalem is for God. His purpose and his compass is set. He knows that his entire life has been towards God's kingdom, and now the next place is going to be Rome. And his eyes are set on there. He will make it there, not on his own accord, but because of God. God speaks this promise into Paul, and now he knows that nothing can stop God's promises from being fulfilled, not even getting shipwrecked for the third time in his life. And then when we read from Acts 23 to 26, I'm just gonna give you a brief summary because there's a lot. Paul goes to the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. Then he's sent to Caesarea. And then he is there to stand on trial in front of Governor Felix. Then to Governor Festus, who then invites King Agrippa to come and speak. Now King Agrippa, if you read, I think it's Acts 26 um, and verse 30, I wanna say it's like verse 11. But it says like there's these high-ranking officials, they come in with splendor. And these are high-ranking military officials and prominent men of the city. This is like basically being invited to speak at the White House in front of President Biden after being imprisoned for two years. And yet we look at Paul and he's this humble man of God. There's actually no more of a more perfect candidate to stand on trial than Paul. I look at it like where he is now, but if you look at his past, he was actually extremely educated. He was a high socially ranked Jew, and he knew the Jewish culture because of his experience as a Pharisee. The ones who knew the laws like the back of their hands, who lived a perfect life. He could actually withstand the pressure of being in front of a crowd and speaking to them. Although, of course, God could grant powers and, and the right words to say, but needlessly, his past has ultimately helped bring out the qualities that he needed for his present needs. I was talking to Phil this week, and he was like, this actually reminds me of a Native American Christian. His name is, I think it's Tenny. And he says, God uses every piece of you. Like a Native American views the body of how it's pure and holy and every single part of the body is so important. I remember when I worked in surgery, um, I used to be a surgical tech. 
And I remember there was one time where we had a hip replacement and you have to saw off the, the head of the femur. And for one of our cases, um, the patient was a Native American. And so they told me, you have to preserve every single part of his body the best you can, because we're giving it back to him. So when he dies, his burial will have every single part of him with him. And just like that, God is saying, I want to use all that you have, all that you've gone through to be a blessing for my kingdom. Because God used every piece of Paul to bring beauty into the present and into the future to be a blessing for his kingdom. Also in Acts 26, Paul pleads his case in front of the king. And when the king leaves, everyone in the room starts talking. You know, like when like the important person leaves, like everyone else starts to talk. And in Acts 26, verse 31, it says, after they left the room, the king, everyone began saying to each other, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. And even King Agrippa says to Governor Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. That is so big. Everyone in the room, including royalty, knows that Paul is innocent. And yet Paul is not concerned about his innocence in man's eyes. He knows there's something for him in Rome because God has called him to go there. Can you imagine having faith like that? Where you are being called someone who is going against everything that you stand for and yet you know deep down what your foundation lies in. You know that your mission is to serve God and to go where he calls you. And so now we're in Acts chapter 27. That was fun. I think it was because of the rain, honestly. Um, So now we land in Acts 27, and he's on his way to Rome on a ship. And things actually don't look so great. There's a storm that starts to brew, and it gets really bad. They do everything they can to save the ship. They even throw off the ship's tackle overboard. And in verse 20, it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They're completely lost at sea. There's even commentators who say that that ship should not have made it in that time. Paul even warns the ship before they go off and says, we should not be sailing at this time because he's always been in many, he's been on, on many on, uh, ships where he knows the waters and he knows that in that season, it was a season of storm. But I almost wonder how often we find ourselves in situations that we're being lost at sea. And I want you to keep this in mind because we're gonna continue talking about it. But maybe it's a career path that you're maybe unsure of. Maybe you thought you wanted to do it like the last few years and you're so passionate about it. And now recently you've realized, I don't know if this is what I want anymore. Or maybe it's a major that you chose and recently you just realized this isn't what I signed up for it to be like. Phil told me that the average young adult will actually change majors seven times. I think that's pretty accurate. Or maybe you've realized there's a relationship that you prayed for and you sought after, and it's not what you thought you wanted anymore. Or maybe it's your mental health and things aren't looking the best. Maybe you're feeling a little hopeless or just like these men are stuck at sea with no hope of seeing land again. In verse 21, Paul stands up to say, men, (laughs) he says, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. 
Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed because last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Paul believed God when there was nothing else to believe. He couldn't believe the sailors, the ship, the wind, the centurion who was in charge, the human ingenuity, or anything else, only God. And this was not a fair weather faith. It wasn't just what came to him. He was literally in the midst of a terrible storm when circumstances were at their worst. And sure enough, on the 14th day, verse 39 says, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Then the soldiers planned on killing the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. And this is what gets me. To the soldiers, it made sense to kill the prisoners. Because according to Roman military law, a guard who allowed his prisoner to escape was subject to the same penalty the escaped prisoner would have suffered. And in most cases, that was death. So they're really trying to save their own butts by killing those who were on the ship with them. But in verse 43, it says, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. And I see it as this. Paul's presence in that little community on that ship was it kept everyone else alive. It makes me think like, wow, how often in our own lives do we have people that we know are here that keep us afloat? And I wonder also if we could ever be those people who are helping others stay afloat in our communities. I wonder what that would look like. And then we have Acts 28, and I love Acts 28 because it's this like, knowing they finally once once they finally are safely on shore we found out that the island was called Malta so up until that point they didn't even know what the island was called they didn't know where they were they had no idea what they where they were going and they were living in complete grayness in the bible it says they were lost for 14 days thinking that they were going to die I can't imagine being in that season, and yet at the same time, I can imagine that. I think 2020, for so many of us, was a season of grayness, of loss. And I know a lot of times we don't want to think back to 2020 because it's a little PTSD. And yet I know that I think of my own life, and I think of the grayness that I experienced in 2020. I was rejected from this career that I thought I was going to stay in. I was in medical school and I I didn't make it through. And it was something that I had worked on for years in my life. In that season of 2020, George Floyd was killed and many other black lives were killed. And so much tragedy was happening in our world. And in that season, I remember asking God, Why am I here? This is a season that I don't want to be in. This is a season where it's a dark night of my soul and I feel completely, completely helpless. I think back to the people that were in my life though, the Pauls who were in my life. 
I think of my best friend, Olivia, who's actually here tonight. I remember her talking to me and telling me that she was also on the same struggle bus. And we were able to be each other's Pauls. She kept me afloat and she reminded me that no matter what, we can be still in the storm and work our way through it together. I know that in those seasons, myself, I was depressed and anxious and crying. I could feel God speaking to my heart and saying, be still, Kelly, there is more for you. Trust me in this season. And it wasn't easy, and I wouldn't recommend it for anyone, but honestly, it did three things for me that I'm forever grateful for. Number one, it helped me understand the dark night of the soul, which will actually bring out a beautiful light that I will never, ever know unless it's refined from that journey, from being in the dark night. Number two, it helped me empathize with those who were hurting and who were also lost. And number three, it helped me rely on my faith and on my community. I know I said this earlier, but in that season of 2020, I was invited to a life group. That actually was a huge part of the reason why I'm here at Praxis today. My friend Austin Roberts invited me and said, hey, I'm doing this life group on politics and religion. And I said, please sign me up. That actually does sound interesting. Um, I just didn't want to do it myself because I didn't know anyone who was going. And so I signed up for it. And through that, I was able to start a community, get to know people. When I first came to Night Church, I remember looking around and saying, I've never seen anyone here in my entire life. <laughs> and now I look out and I go, I know almost every single face here today. And it's a testament to the community that we have here. It's a testament to the Pauls in our community who continue to reach out and to grow us together in community. It's the, it's the, honestly, it's also the church, it's the programs that we put on here, that we provide safe spaces so we can continue to grow together. So we, are, we ended up um, on, uh, in Acts verse, or chapter 28. And we know that Paul ended up in uncharted territory. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where he's going. And yet he knows he's going to make it to Rome. And I absolutely love that because as you continue to read, it says that Paul... In chapter 28, in verse 2, it says, The islanders there showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a vi viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. <laughs> Did you just see that flip? People are always going to say things about us from whether we are going to die because we are murderers or we are gods because a snake hasn't bit and killed us. And yet Paul knows who he is. His foundation is strong in Christ. And I think also knowing that so much of our environment, if we know who we are, 
The things on the outside don't affect who we are on the inside. And I love how Paul, throughout this chapter, he, he gathers a pile of brushwood. He goes to the chief official of the island, and he's there, and he spends time there. He heals the people, and he spends time to be with the community and serve. How many of us are in seasons of grayness? Maybe we are in that season right now. Maybe you came here without really knowing why you're here, and yet you're struggling, and you're in this season. I'm here to encourage you and let you know that it's okay to be in that season. Those seasons are sometimes cut out for us so that we can grow stronger, so that we know and we are refined, so that we know who God is in our lives and how he works in us and through us. Later, Paul eventually does arrive in Rome, and he actually appeals to the Jewish leaders there, which they don't really like what he says, but that's okay, because in the end, in verse 31, it says that Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul is there, and he is considered the most important person after Jesus in the history of Christianity. His letters, eventually in Rome, that he writes, have enormous influence on Christian theology, especially on the relationship between God the Father and Jesus, and on the mystical human relationship with the divine. Paul is a huge waymaker for us to understand who Jesus is. And yet we also see him gathering sticks for a, bread, for a fire. We see him healing and putting hands on people. We see him enjoying a meal with others that he doesn't know because he's in this season of grayness and yet he continues to serve. Paul dwells two years in Rome. He receives all who come to him and he is there to teach the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love how it says, with all confidence and no one forbidding him. I fully believe that you will never feel served if you only serve yourself. Paul's life mission was to serve God and to serve others. And it makes me think, how can we be the change? In my own life, I know that when I was in that season of grayness, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and so I served. I came to Praxis. I was a part of this little small group of 10 people, and we talked about uh, the Trump presidency, which was really interesting, and we talked about our faith. It was awesome. And then from there, I went and helped Sarah and build this life group team. When we started there, we had six groups. When I went the next few seasons, I went to 12. We went up to 20 groups, which was a lot of people. And now we're down to 11, which I think is the perfect number. But where are you in your season of grayness? I know that when I was in my season, I didn't know where I was going. I had put everything aside and said, God, just be with me in this time. And now I'm here. Through serving, through the community, through the Pauls in my life, I was able to recognize that, wow, I do have a greater purpose, and it is ultimately to serve God. And so I personally chose to serve God as a pastor and to serve God right now in this season at Praxis. 
And so my challenge for you is how can you demonstrate Paul's heart of servitude in this season? Maybe you're not in a season of grayness, but maybe you know someone else who is. And so I have a few practical ways of how you can serve. And so as the band comes up, I'm gonna share those things. The first one is volunteering at a church. I know that's really vague, but honestly, volunteering at a church. So many of us come to church and we take in what we hope we can just absorb. You know, we come for the music, we come for the friendships, we come for the message, and then we leave. But there's something to be said about serving others and giving back. I know for me that I never really felt like I was being served until I actually served myself. So there's other practical ways to do it. This weekend, there is an Anthem Single Moms Brunch. We're really excited about this. And this is really a way for us to serve outside these four church walls, to show the community what we're really about. And so you can volunteer this weekend, this Sunday with Anthem. Um, You can go onto Anthem's Instagram, and I'm hoping they're gonna put a little graphic in the back. I don't think I actually told Jalen, so if not, it's okay. Uh, You can also go onto their Anthem's website or on their Instagram and volunteer there, but we'd love to have you. Another way of serving is actually being in a life group. Life groups grow community, but also they grow leaders. Because what we encourage people to do when they're done in a life group is, hey, you've been in a life group. Now you lead in a life group. So many of our awesome life group leaders have actually been in life groups. And so now they're stepping up and saying, hey, I wanna be able to plant this seed of community. I wanna help water it and I wanna help grow it. And the third way is the ministry of presence. This is a really simple one. And I think anyone can do it, but it is showing up and being present. I know that sometimes we're, we live far away. We live all the way out in LA. I actually know of one person here who lives all the way out in LA and he comes every single week. And his presence here is a ministry to all of us. We're here and we enjoy his presence. We know who he is and he's plugged in. I don't know if this is your home church. If it's not, it's totally okay. We hope that you can go back to your home church and practice these things yourself. But the ministry of presence is so vital to a community. When you show up, it means you care. You donate your time, you donate your money, your resources, and it continues to grow this ministry to be a place where you can be that Paul. Or maybe you need someone to be the Paul for you. We're here for you. And so we hope that in this last sermon series of community, that we can continue to be reminded that you can be community and you can serve in community and that we are redefining community in this space. And I hope that when people come into Praxis that you can see a place where, hey, this is different. Someone just talked to me and I didn't know who they were. Hey, I really like how they, they say at the end, you don't need to know everyone, but you do need to know someone. Tonight, I hope that you get to know at least one person, someone that you don't know. That's my challenge for you tonight. And if you've been here for more than two years, Gus, that's you. Know more than two people tonight. Yeah, it's a nice challenge, right? But our desire is that you guys can grow and we can grow together in this season of community. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, 
thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the blessing of community. Lord, we want to know you. We want to be closer to you. We want to be closer to your people. And thank you so much for the example that Paul has set for us. That even though we're in storms of life, that even though we may be in gray areas, that we're still figuring things out. Lord, that you are our anchor, you are our foundation, and that there is community here for us to reach out and to say, hey, it's gonna be okay. We thank you for this sermon series, and God, I pray that you touch every single life here, and that we're able to go out and to be a light in this world and to serve those who we know need it most. Thank you for your love, in your name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.